It's good to see you this morning. All right. I was caught up in a moment of worship, which is always a delight, right? To be in the presence of God. Well, are you ready? Because for the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about really real marriage. And we started yesterday with our simulcast. I'm going to ask, how many of you were here for the simulcast? All right. Did you enjoy that? Was that... Yeah, uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll and his wife. Excellent, excellent, excellent. We're thinking about so many people that asked after the fact, you know, like, hey, are you going to do that again? We just might work something out where we can do that again um, because it was, uh, it was well-received. People had a great time. Over 120 people came. We have uh, six couples that are going to be starting uh, facilitating small groups for marriages here in our church shortly. So you'll be hearing more about that. So we've we got a lot of stuff uh, going on. So today is our kickoff of our new series, Really Real Marriage. And I try to figure out, okay, how to kick this off. How should we kick this off? So I found something that I think would kind of kick us off in the right way. So I want you to watch this. gives this woman in marriage today? Her mother and I. Ben. We're gathered here today to join together in marriage, Ben and Tiffany. Thank you for joining us. You may be seated. Ben and Tiffany, today is a sign of your love. 
Marriage is a beautiful bond. It's the union of two people who were filing their taxes separately, but will now be filing as one. To symbolize this special bond, you give away a ring. This ring is an infinite circle, and it symbolizes the never-ending cycle of challenges and difficulty that lie ahead of both of you. The vows you're about to take must be taken with caution and with much consideration of their content. Ben, do you have a ring? I do. Ben, face your bride, place the ring on her finger, and repeat this after me. I, Ben. I, Ben. Take you, Tiffany. Take you, Tiffany. To be my lawfully wedded starter wife. To be my lawfully wedded starter wife. For better and better. For better and better. For richer as we get into debt. For richer as we get into debt. As long as you stay skinny. As long as you stay skinny. I promise to yell at you. I promise to yell at you. To ignore and neglect you. To ignore and neglect you. And to compare you with other women. And to compare you with other women. From this day forward. From this day forward. I promise to be faithful to you. I promise to be faithful to you. Until I convince the girl at work to sleep with me. Until I convince the girl at work to sleep with me. Till divorce do us part. Till divorce. Sorry. Till divorce do us part. Tiffany, do you have a ring? Yes. Place the ring on your groom's finger and repeat this after me. I, Tiffany, take you, Ben. I, Tiffany, take you, Ben. To be my starter husband. To be my starter husband. From this day forward. From this day forward. As we try this out for a while. As we try this out for a while. To join with you. To join with you. As long as I can manipulate you. As long as I can manipulate you. To demean you. To demean you. To tear you down in front of my friends. To tear you down in front of my friends. And to despise you. And to despise you. I promise to be faithful to you. I promise to be faithful to you. As long as you make a ton of money. As long as you make a ton of money. I am completely yours. I am completely yours. Most of the time. Most of the time. Till divorce do us part. Till divorce do us part. Ben and Tiffany, you've made this commitment today hoping that you'd be one of the lucky couples in which their marriage might actually work. That you'd be able to tolerate each other for a lifetime. And I admire your ambition. <laughs> and as witnesses here, we are honored to share this special moment with you. And we wish you the best of luck, even though your chances are right about 50-50. <laughs> ben and Tiffany, because of the promise you made to each other today, I'm proud to pronounce you husband and wife. Ben, you may kiss your bride. <laughs> wow. 
So I don't know if I can top that, uh, but I thought that would be a, an interesting uh, place to, to start. We're going to kick off our marriage series this week. It's going to run for about six weeks, and we're going to get into all kinds of stuff. And uh, I'm hoping that you are brave enough to journey with us for the next six weeks. Uh, uh, let me tell you what this is not going to be. This is not going to be a uh, please drag your spouse to church so the pastor can fix him or her kind of series, right? So it's not about that. It's really about taking a good, long, real look at what marriage is. Now notice the word I emphasize in that sentence is real. It is very important that if we get anything out of what we're going to be talking about, that we get at least this much, that we need to be real. Real about our lives, real about where we're at, real about what's going on, because ultimately, ultimately God loves the real you, right? So I want, you to get, I want you to get that. You're going to be hearing stories, some ones that will make you laugh. You're going to be hearing stories over the next six weeks that will make you cry. You're going to be hearing stories that will make you go, what? You know, I mean, we're going to go all over the place and explore all kinds of things. Um, so as preparing for this, I, we're going to go right up to Palm Sunday with this series. And preparing for this, I was really challenged to, you know, figure out what do I cover, how much do I want to cover, even where do I begin? Because even the starting point itself, right, creates a little bit of a problem. How do we begin to talk about marriage? We can talk about marriage in a whole lot of different ways, right? We can kind of say marriage is, is, is a cultural institution that has, you know, legal ramifications as well as social ramifications, right? And we can talk about what our culture, how our culture looks at marriage and how it defines marriage and all of that. We could talk about the social dynamics of marriage. We could talk about the legal dynamics of marriage and everything in between those two points. And there, I mean, it's, it's just a really large topic. And so what I want to do, the first place I want to go, where I want to really start from is not culture. It's not society. It's not the, the legal ramifications of marriage. I want to start with the actual origin of marriage, right? You will be surprised how many people do not know the origin of marriage. And so I'm going to invite you to read the story of the first marriage, the place where the marriage institution itself was created. It is from Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to start reading in verse 18. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of the word, which is our tradition here at Grace. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18, I will read down to verse 25, and you can follow along if you brought a Bible, you could use one of the pew bibles we'll have the verses on the screen as well so you'll be able to follow along one one way or the other genesis chapter 2 and i'll start reading in verse 18 and we will read right to the end of the chapter which is verse 25 if you're with me say amen, amen. if you're already starting to feel nervous say oh my okay there's few of you yeah okay I was very, I had my wife sitting here in the front row, first service. I was nervous as all, you would not believe. And she listens to all the podcasts and listens, so I'm, I'm, wow, pray for your pastor over the next six weeks. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2, verses, uh, starting in verse 18. Hear now the word of God. Then the Lord God said, it is not good. That the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. 
The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, it was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. God's word for us today. Let's, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your presence in this place, for meeting with us, for allowing us through the sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, to come directly into your presence, your throne of grace. My prayer this morning, Lord, is simple. That you would take your written word as you do every week when we open it. And by the power of your spirit, you would speak your word into our hearts and lives. I'm mindful this morning, Lord, that I don't know what is going on in the hearts of your people. I cannot see. I barely know what's going on in my own heart. But you see all things. There is nothing hidden from your sight. And so, Lord, we ask that you would come now and minister to the various needs that are represented by all the hearts that are in this room. Be with us. Dwell with us. Touch our lives for the glory of your name and for the good of your people. I ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And all of God's people said... High five someone, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Good to be with you this morning. I'm kind of excited about all this, right? The whole marriage thing. So uh, this series, uh, just to kind of reemphasize this series, is not just for married folks. These are for people that are married, want to be married, on their way to be married, on their way from a marriage. Don't want anything to know about, don't want anything to do with marriage. Basically, if you're human, breathing, and alive, somewhere in here you'll, you'll, you'll find something that's good for you. So I don't want to, I don't want to exclude anyone based on whether or not they're married. This, there's a lot of stuff we're going to cover that I think will be a blessing and helpful for you in life in general. But I do want to start here, at this particular place, because of, of its significance. So let me just say it. As a statement, marriage is a, before it is social, before it is culturally defined and conditioned, before we deal with the legal ramifications of what marriage is in our society today, before all of that, marriage is a sacred institution. Amen. It is a sacred institution. The origin of marriage speaks to it very, very clearly. I did not pull out a history book to read about the origins of marriage. I did not pull out a social commentary to read about the origins of marriage. I took the Bible, open to Genesis chapter 2, and there is a story of the first marriage. Marriage is absolutely 100% at its foundation a sacred 
institution. It is holy. Think about it even like this. Out of all the metaphors and word pictures that God could have used to describe the relationship between Jesus and his church, the metaphor, the word picture that he uses is marriage. Right? Paul, in Ephesians chapter 5, I'll read this for you. Uh, speaking, Paul writing to the, uh, the church at Ephesus, this is what he says in verse 29 of chapter 5. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, now, it's interesting, right? So he's writing about the church and Jesus, and he's telling the uh, Ephesians about this, and he stops in the middle of this phraseology here, this paragraph, and he inserts the quote from Genesis. He said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So imagine out of all the word pictures that God could have chose to describe the relationship between Jesus and the church, he chooses marriage to describe that relationship. Marriage through and through is absolutely sacred. In fact, if we look at the, the very passage back in Genesis chapter 2, let me just highlight the movement and how repetitive the, the, the account is mentioning God. So in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. Verse 21, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. Verse 22, The rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. The Lord God. The Lord God. The Lord God. Everywhere you see in this narrative, you see God's activity, God speaking, God moving, God creating, God acting. Make no mistake about it, brother, sister, friend. Marriage at its foundation is absolutely sacred. That is the real starting place. You may be listening to me, you might be here this morning, and you might have your own concept of what marriage is. And how you would describe marriage. All I'm signaling to you this morning is that if you want to know what, the, what real marriage is, where it started, and what the nature of it is, you look at Genesis chapter 2. It's absolutely sacred. This is where it all begins. And so this is where we will begin. Marriage as a sacred institution. You're going to notice that in the narrative itself, right, from verses 18 to 25 that we read, there are only... Three characters there. There's God, Adam, and Eve. And so the marriage, the institution of marriage as created by God, is, it involves just three characters. There's nobody else in the picture yet. This is where marriage begins. And, and this is what I call, really, the sacred circle. God, husband, wife. That, to me, is the sacred circle. Hey, there you go. Sacred circle. Now, let me just, by, just by way of commentary, so make sure we're all tracking the same. There, there's a reason why I have it worded just that way with God being where he is and husband and wife side by side. It's because in this sacred circle, as we see from Genesis chapter 2, there's only three people in the circle. And, and God is the preeminent one. So let me start by simply saying this, that marriage is a sacred institution. It, is, it, is, it encompasses this sacred circle where God is the priority. So f step number one, 
the, the first thing that we just need to wrestle with, if we're talking about marriage in the context of the Bible, God is the priority. He is the creator of marriage. He is the creator of all things. We believe that not only he's the creator of all things, but he is sovereign over all things. He is God and there is none like him. For six of you. He is God and there is no one like him. Amen. All right. So that, that's who God is. But in, in this circle, there's, there's relationship. You'll notice that there's dialogue with, uh, with Adam and God. Later on, there's going to be an interesting dialogue in the next chapter with Eve. And there, there's lots of stuff going to be happening here. But there's this relationship that exists. He places them in the garden to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue it, to tend it, to cultivate, and all of that. And so there's relationship going on here. So here's my second point. Not only is God God in the sacred circle and should be honored as God, but, but the husband and wife, Adam and Eve, they're called to, to a relationship with God. This is priority. So if we don't get this part right, anything that we say about marriage afterwards is going to be tweaked. It's really not going to be, on, it's not going to be settled on a, on a good foundation. So there's a call here for a husband and wife in the covenant of marriage, in the, in the institution of marriage, to, to have a relationship with God. And let me just tell you right now, that you would think that that's an easy thing or that's a, that's a gimme. It's not a gimme. We get calls all the time, and I pass them off to Don. We get calls all the time in the community. You know, people see, they, you know, they see a big church, they see a nice church. Oh, that's a big, nice church. So why, you know, they look and they look at us and they say, well, the reason why they're here is to marry us. That's why you're here. We get calls all the time. Couples, young couples coming saying, hey, we want you guys to marry us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? You'll marry us. Just tell us what we got to do. And I, 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 I really, I do give those to Don because I don't want to shoot somebody. And so I, I give those to Don. I said, Don, you handle these guys here. And, and Don relentlessly, you know, sits down with them and then begins to explain what marriage is. And it is, it's, it, he and I debrief on this all the time. It is, it's just amazing. It boggles my mind, the concepts of marriage that people have in their heads. And they come, they come to a church almost, you know, expecting, even sometimes sounds like it, demanding that, oh, no, no, we should marry. And one of the, we should marry them. And one of the questions that Don repeatedly gives young couples or asks young couples is, why do you want to get married in the church? Right? You can get married by justice of the peace. You can get married at the courthouse. You can get married. Why do you want to get married in the church? And typically the response we get, I'm talking with people that are not church, talking about people that are not church core. The response we get is something along the lines, well, we want, we want God to be part of, part of the ceremony. We want God to be there. We want God, we want to include God. We don't want him at the reception, but we want him at the, we want him in the ceremony. Reception? No, ceremony. And that basically is what they're saying, right? The idea of the sacred circle is that we're not inviting God into a marriage. But that from the very beginning, God is part, an essential part of the marriage. All the way through. This is a sacred circle. 
Nothing should be in there except those three. Nothing should be in that circle except those three. When we talk about marriage from a biblical perspective, I'm going to uphold that as a starting point. Nothing should be in the circle except those three. Now, let me tell you, this is not rocket science. There's stuff, life stuff, it's going to happen, issues that are going to emerge, and they're going to try to press on you to make them part of the circle. Job, money, kids. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, well, wait a second. I love my kids. I love my kids, too. I love, I got, I have an 18-year-old. I have an 11 and a 9. And I love all my children. And Mary would say the same. She loves all her children. But anytime we let our kids into that circle, oh my goodness, it is chaos. It, it really, it, it just, Mary and I, my wife Mary, we just, we are not well when anything gets in that circle, including our children. Nothing belongs in that circle, except those three things. There are going to be people, people are going to try to get in that circle. They're going to try to weasel their way into the circle. They're going to try to dance their way into the circle, press it to... We got some strange... There's a, there's a strange group of people called in-laws. They try to get in there all the time. I mean, it's the stuff. It's the people trying to get in there. There are friends that try to get in there. Stop it all the time. That is so. So, from the standpoint of a spouse, husband, wife, one of your first priorities, if the main priority in your marriage, is to protect that. Is to make sure that nothing is getting in the circle. To keep with the integrity of Genesis chapter two, that there is God, the husband, the wife, and that's it. It get, the minute we get beyond, beyond this, you're going to see, we're, we're messed up people. I'll talk about that later. Talk about, like, even though we got this sacred circle going, that doesn't mean that we're not messed up inside. Look, let me just say it like this. You don't need to invite anybody in there. You've got enough trouble in that circle already. There's enough trouble in there to last you a couple of lifetimes. So don't be messing around by bringing all kinds of other stuff in there. And, and so, you know, we'll, we'll get to that. But the priority for any married couple, for any couple that's going to be married, for anybody who's even thinking about marriage, you need to get this on your radar. This is a priority. You have to establish this and protect this and preserve this sacred circle. This is not something that you do once a week. Once a week. This is something that you have to work on every day. All the time. I know some of you are sitting here listening to me. You already get a sense of where we're going. And you're kind of not even knowing how to feel. Some of, some, there are some husbands in here that have probably already gotten an elbow to the ribcage. There's some spouses in here that's gotten some crazy looks already. Here we go. You know, this is where we start getting into the stuff and, you know, it gets, it gets tricky. It gets emotional. 
Because there are many people in this room. Take a look around. There are many people in this room that have been wounded inside of that circle. So we're going to talk about that. There's a reason why God is in the circle. Because he's the one who heals all wounds. Without him in the circle, it just he would be a mess. Really would. So I want to, just as a way of starting and launching off, I want to give you some, just a couple of pieces of practical advice from Scripture that will help you work towards this, restore this if it needs to be restored, establish this if it hasn't been established. So just, just, just a couple of pieces of practical advice before we, we pray together. Number one is you need to develop or you need to take your relationship with God, and it has to become a life pattern for you. Right, so I, let me give you some... Here's, here's Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, the Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. And listen to the words that he says. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So Paul is writing to the church, and and he's kind of telling them, this is the kind of rhythm, this kind of life pattern that that you should be living. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so for for those of us that are are married or or trying to create the circle or or tend to the circle or recover or the circle, whatever we're doing, part of this is developing an ongoing rhythm where God is part part of the mix, part of our life. Not just once a week or twice a week, but every day. So when was the last time that you and your spouse read scripture together? It begs that question, doesn't it? In the context of marriage. When was the last time that you and your spouse sat down, had a cup of coffee and said, Hey, what has God been speaking to you about? What has God been doing in your heart and your life lately, honey? We'll talk about that. It, there's, there's, so there's a teaching element and an admonishing element. And there is all this. this and did you notice that there's singing going on here? Singing songs and hymns and praises. Sing. Now, let me just, so let me get this. I think this is where Paul's getting at here in creating a life rhythm, right? There's some of us that we sing really well. You're gifted to sing. In fact, if I could, I would hire you to sing in my house all day, every, every day, all week. Just That would be your job. Walk up and down my house singing praises. That would be wonderful. And God bless you and your wonderful talent and your gift that God has given you. There are some of you, how can I put this delicately? When you sing, the dogs in the neighborhood pray. I guess that's an interesting picture. But this scripture has nothing to do with quality of voice. The scripture has nothing to do with how well or or how poorly you sing. It has to do about life rhythm. That there should be a song in your heart and in your home and in your marriage. There should be this melodic, rhythmic uh, uh, kind of thing, vibe going on between, your, between a husband and a wife. And, and that rhythmic vibe should be all about God. Singing, praising, getting into the Word. All of, all of that should be present in a marriage that's honoring that sacred circle. It, it's amazing how this stuff actually just, from this circle, it pours out. It just spills over into your home, into your, onto your children. I, I was telling a story at the first service. You know, kids are funny. I love hearing my, I love hearing my children sing. 
especially Marco. Marco's my son. He's nine. And he just sings at the, you know. And so he'll be playing something. He'll break out with a church song while he's playing by himself. And I love, you know, I love walking by him and hearing him, hearing him sing. But that's not the only songs that he sings. I was, uh, this past Thanksgiving, I went to the Vigneault's house for, we went to the Vigneault's for, uh, to, to have Thanksgiving together with them. And so we were at the table and talking and, and uh, Adam Vigneault and my daughter, Christine took the little ones into their family room and just to hang out. He was kind of like, hey, let's take the kids over there. We'll keep them entertained or whatever. And my, my, uh, my daughter came back with Adam and they were cracking up. And I was like, what's going on? Is everything okay? And they came back and they say, hey, Marco was singing a Miley Cyrus song in the family room. I was like, Really? But make no mistake about it. Our kids, they're going to sing something. So what are they going to sing? Who is it that's actually establishing that rhythm, that spiritual rhythm in the home? That should, that should pour out of that sacred circle. That's mom and dad. Some of you, I was really kind of tentative on whether I wanted to tell you that story about Miley Cyrus, my son singing Miley Cyrus. Some of you looking at me like, that's the pastor's kid. Oh, we were to pray for him, you know. But if you're honest, right, that's part of life. Our kids are doing all kinds of, singing about all kinds of, singing all kinds of crazy stuff. And that's what we have to combat against. And it all starts in that circle. Cultivating the good rhythms the rhythms that honor God and praise God and making that the default of our marriage and our family life. The second thing, and I'll close with this, I think the other thing that we have to work on if we want to keep this sacred circle, um, I think we need to make grace and forgiveness part of our life rhythm as well. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, He says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Forgiveness and grace is something that we need to cultivate in all of our relationships, but especially in our marriages. When you see God and husband and wife in that circle, I hope you see and understand that grace abounds there. In the next chapter, and you can go ahead and, and read the fall with the serpent and the, and the tree and the knowledge of good and evil and eating the fruit of the tree and the serpent and the man, you know, Adam, where are you? And the man says, you know, what have you done? Did you eat from the tree? That's a woman you gave me. And then she turns around and passes the buck down to the serpent. I mean, it's a, it's a mess in there. But during that whole time of self-will and rebellion and Adam and Eve doing their own thing, during that whole time, you begin to see, as the story unfolds, you begin to see God's grace and mercy and forgiveness for them. God is always loving. He's always gracious. Sometimes it's tough love, don't get me wrong. But God is always loving. He's always gracious. He's always ready to forgive when we're ready to turn back to him. And that has to be cultivated in that circle over and over. One of the things that I enjoyed about the simulcast that we had yesterday was uh, Pastor Mark um, uh, did a, a great job at highlighting how broken we are. We are broken people. So when you look at your spouse, you're looking at a broken person. 
they don't, I mean, they, they may look great on the outside. They may be good looking. They may have their life act together. I mean, it looks, you know, but in some areas somewhere, they're broken. They're not, there's going to be times where they say the wrong things and do the wrong things. And, and oh my gosh, are we going to get into it later? You know, all this stuff that goes on. And if we don't have grace and forgiveness present in those times, it's just that much harder. It's just really tough. And so I'm hoping that you are brave enough to stick with me for the next six weeks. Because we're going to try to tackle some, some issues, some, some of the big ones. But at the foundation, the first step is to get this part right. It's to honor God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's where it all begins. We need God in our hearts. We need him in our homes and especially in our marriages. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for our time together today. and. I'm blessed, Lord, to, to be here with your people in your presence. And like I mentioned earlier, Lord, I, I don't know what's going on in the hearts and much less in the homes. But I ask, Lord, over the course of this next six weeks that you would come and speak to us. I pray for those that have been wounded at the hands of a spouse, a bad marriage, a divorce, a situation. I pray, God, that you, over the course of this time, would bring healing to that heart. I pray, Lord, give us the guidance that we need. Help us to, to know what you call us to, to see your ways, to follow you. I pray, Lord, bless your people. Bless your people for the glory of your name and for the good of the earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.